You're listening to the official podcast of Church Untitled, located in downtown Vancouver. We are a community set apart to bear His name, in our city, for His glory. We hope that you're blessed and enriched by this message. So we, we've been in a series, talks about the Holy Spirit. There's been different faces within the community that have spoken on this subject. And uh, I had the honor today of going down that same path of talking about the Holy Spirit. It's a good topic. Remember, the Holy Spirit is God. It's not just like the sidekick. He, he is God. And so I'm specifically going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about gifts and ministries and activities of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to lean into that today. But I'm excited because I know in this community, I know there's things brewing. I can, I can sense what God is doing in this community. That God is moving amongst us. And people are stepping out into things that maybe they never did before. You know, people are prophesying. People are believing for healing. We're stepping into new stuff. But I'm excited because I know that there is more. I know that there is more. And the beauty is that Scripture says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. Faith comes when we hear God, when we hear what He says about things. So as I speak today, I'm believing that the room will expand in faith, that our capacity to believe God will grow, because that's how faith comes. God can move at any point in time that He wants. He can do that. But sometimes it requires our faith to grow and believe him for what he said he wants for us. So when I speak today, open your heart. Let your faith grow. Amen? For real? Sheesh. Look at me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, the apostle Paul, he thoroughly goes through describing the gifts and activities and the ministries of the Holy Spirit. He goes into detail. He talks about all the different expressions of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the chapter, he ends with this. He says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. In the Passion Translation of that same verse, it says this. But you should all constantly boil over with passion in seeking the higher gifts And now I show you a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. In the next chapter, in chapter 13, he goes on to describe and give detail to what that actually is, what the more excellent way is, what the more superior way is. And he defines it as the way of the pursuit and X and others. This is the more excellent way. So we're going to explore this. We're going to explore this idea of what it means to pursue the way of love. I'm going to start with a story in the Gospels in John chapter 2. You may put that up on the screen. John chapter 2. It says this. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. 
Jesus said to her, woman, off the top, it wasn't being derogatory. That same word woman is the same word that Jesus used when he spoke to his mom from the cross. So he was being loving. He was being honoring. Just don't go calling your mom woman. It's a little different now. But Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Kind of opposite of what Jesus said. Whatever he says to you, do it. So Jesus turns water into wine. He performs his first miracle. The first time we see an expression of the gift or gift of the Holy Spirit in and through the life of Jesus, the working of miracles. So the title of my message today is Love is Supreme. Love is Supreme. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you so much for what you're already doing in this community, God. God, I see the hunger. I see the desires of people in this community, God, and it's real. And I just thank you, Father, that your word doesn't go back to you without performing what he sent it for. So, Father, today, I thank you, God, that we are stepping into more. As the word is preached, we are stepping into more today that we will not be the same. And we know this to be true because your word doesn't go back to you, void God. So we thank you today, God, that your word will do what it is sent to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I got married over 13 years ago. Wow. <laughs> I know. What? What were we, 10? Guys, I was 16. No, not true. Um, over 13 years ago, I got married. It's, it's weird because it's almost like you go from newlyweds to like a marriage counselor. There's like no in between. It's like, how did that happen? I thought it was like fresh and new. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, 13 years. You know, most people when you know, they plan a wedding, they want to keep it classic, right? You want to keep it traditional. You want to look back 10, 20 years later and say to yourself, oh, I dig it. Still cool. I dig it. <laughs> yes. I just I was impersonating somebody else. But you look back and you want to say, yeah, that's cool. I like it. You want to keep it classic, right? Uh, didn't really happen for us, at least not for me. I had a baggy white suit, tuxedo. I I don't I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was motivated maybe by Puff Daddy white parties or something, I think. Mid 2000s, something like that. My wedding party, they had like baggy black suits from Moore's. They, at that time, they had no other option but like super large and like clear coated clown looking shoes, you know, just there's better options now, but that's what they had. Our reception itself was, it was almost more of a Christmas party than a reception because we had like decorations from Walmart after Christmas that we got for a good deal. Kept it within a budget. So we had like disco ball ornaments and like silver trees and stuff like that. So I know, I don't know why I'm like getting into detail with like how tacky our wedding was, but I don't know. Just trying to give an analogy. But um, 
speeches were at a minimum. We had a lot of music, which is beautiful. Tiffany's side of the family is very musical and my side as well. My brother actually, which is just right back there, he wrote a rap for a wedding, it seems. It was beautiful though. It was a special day. You know, our slogan, our honor invitations was love never fails. I know, powerful, very original. But, I mean, powerful. Love never fails. But the entire day, all of the planning, all of the celebration, the ceremony, the reception, it was all put together to surround covenant for the purpose of witnessing and celebrating covenant and love and family and marriage. I find it super interesting that the first miracle Jesus did was within the context of marriage, within the context of love and covenant. And he turned water into wine. Wine in the scripture, a lot of the time can be a type of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus turned water into wine. You could say if you look at it from a prophetic perspective or as a type, you could say that within the context of covenant and love, Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit. You know, we talk sometimes, you've probably heard this said before, this idea of, and it comes from scripture, that you can't hold the new wine in old wineskins, right? Because if you put the new wine in the old wineskins, they'll burst, they'll break. So we need new wineskins to hold the new wine. And sometimes, you know, people use that as they sense God doing something new. You know, God is doing a new thing. But I believe that the whole time when Jesus referenced that, I believe the whole time it primarily has to do with the new wineskin being covenant and family and relationship. And the new wine being the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit thrives best in the context of family and love. The Holy Spirit thrives in the context of family and love. It's interesting because in the New Testament, the, even the reference of God being Father is used 165 plus times in comparison to only 13 times in the entire Old Testament. 165 plus times in the Gospels alone, not just in the New Testament, in the Gospels alone. God is family. The New Testament, it's, it's riddled with metaphors of us being family. Jesus being our bridegroom, us being the bride, us being children of God, God being father, Jesus being the son of God. We're family. And going back to the miracle there that Jesus performed at the wedding. It's interesting because he did what he did. He turned water into wine because his mom asked him to. His mom asked him to. He even said, it wasn't my time. This isn't my hour. This isn't the time to do it. It's almost like he literally adjusted the timeline of heaven to accommodate his mom's request. He accommodated the request of his family. I wonder sometimes if God is waiting on us as we're waiting on him. Uh, there's, there's beauty in waiting. There's a place for that. But I wonder sometimes if God is waiting on us to understand who we are as his children, as his family. I wonder if he's waiting on us to have confidence as his family, to come to him and say, Jesus, we need wine. We need a move of your spirit. I'm your family. I can come to you boldly. I can do this because you're my father. I can come to you boldly. So I ask 
for outpour of your Holy Spirit. I ask for healing. I ask for the working of miracles. I ask for prophecy. I ask for these things because I know you're a loving father. Maybe in your heart right now, you can just ask God with that confidence of knowing you're his child. There's a beautiful passage in scripture. Luke chapter 11, verse 11. The Passion Translation, it says this. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect heavenly father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? Are you getting it? We have in part right now. We're experiencing a part. I know I'm experiencing in part. But Jesus has given invitation to fullness. And he says, you receive fullness by asking and understanding that he's a perfect father. He's not inconsistent. He's not imperfect. He's perfect. He's loving. He's perfect in his love. That's who we're asking. And we can ask. A lot of what I've been talking about so far is more in relation to understanding God as Father. But how, how do we, as the body of Christ, how do we steward the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Love seeks to edify, build up, and bring profit to all. Love seeks to edify, build up, and bring profit to all. We're talking spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, financially. The house is done. How do we build up people? How does love build up people? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6 says this. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For the trumpet makes an uncertain sound. Who will prepare for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you were zealous, are we zealous for spiritual gifts? Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. People don't get built up unless they understand. People don't get built up unless there's distinction and precision. Unless it's relevant to the need. Listen to this. When we choose the way of love, we become people of distinction and precision, determined to connect people to what God is saying and doing with clarity and relevance. Later on in 1 Corinthians in chapter 14, Paul even goes on to talk about there being certain order within the church. I think the prophetic people kind of try to fight that a little bit. We don't want that structure. I'm, <laughs> those are spontaneous people, right? A little ecstatic. This is, this is my being ecstatic. <laughs> but Paul, he talks about how to conduct yourself within the church. And he even talks about how like the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. He talks about if you have a prophetic word, let it be done in a way so that everybody can hear, like one after another, 
the order within the church is not for God to micromanage us. The order is for the purpose of people being built up so that people can receive, so people can be lifted up and profit from it. And love always looks to build people up. Love will find a way. It makes the crooked path straight. It brings the high places low and the low places high. You know, sometimes God will speak initially in ways that seems mysterious. You know, he might speak in dreams or visions. I'm a little more of a dreamer. So sometimes in the morning, my wife and I will talk about the dreams that I've had. And we'll ask Holy Spirit, you know, what, what is it that you're saying through this? Is there something in this? Help us to interpret. You know, sometimes God will speak in ways that seems almost unknown or not so understandable. But he doesn't want us to stay there. He doesn't want us to camp out in mystery. You know, I know mystery and enigmas and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it could be cool. It can be creative. It could be kind of, ha. Ah. You know, I, there's, ah, there's a place for that. There's a place for that. But God doesn't want us to camp there. He even says that if there's a tongue spoken in a public setting, let there be an interpretation. Because the tongue, if it's in a foreign language or a heavenly language, it's not going to be understandable to people. So we actually ask God for the interpretation. And another gift of the Holy Spirit is the interpretation of tongues. Sometimes we camp out in mystery because of our own fears. There's a, I love my wife. But there's a, a story. A few years back, there was a special store, she called it. It was a consignment store that she found in Langley. It was, it was in a church in the middle of nowhere. And there happened to be more high-end clothing because someone from Vancouver would drop off the clothes and so they would have like Versace and Gucci and stuff. And it was like at a consignment store, like nobody knew about. And so Tiff was like, this is my special store. And honestly, she had a little bit of a hard time letting other people know. There was a friend of ours that asked her about it and she hesitated quite strong. But she was, she was afraid to give up what was valuable to her. Sometimes we don't, we don't want to give of our power. Or we want to maintain our perception of power. Now, Tiffany's amazing. The blood of Jesus has done a work in her life. And just so you know, I, I, I asked her beforehand if I could like say this. But sometimes we clothe ourselves in mystery, in religious jargon or sounding very spiritual. We become unrelatable, untouchable. All the while, we're, we're, we're trying to protect our own fears and insecurities. But I want you to know that love and fear do not coexist. And God is looking for people that will pursue the way of love because their motivation is to connect people with the source to get them to the special store. That's their motivation. They want to connect people with what God has for them. If someone needs healing, they want to connect people with the gift of healing that comes from our Father. If someone is in depression, they might need a prophetic word that will break them out of depression. They're motivated by love to connect them to the source. You know, God went the extra mile to be understandable. He went as far as to wrap himself up in human flesh, defined as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He made himself known. He, he started to remove the mystery, and he said, this is what I look like. This is what I sound like. This is how I love. This is what I do when someone's sick. This is what I do when someone's depressed. This is what I do when someone's oppressed. I'm anointed for this purpose. 
Jesus was a manifestation of God. He was God in the flesh. But he didn't stop there. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, he said to his disciples, it is better that I go away so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. And part of the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal to us Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we then see the Father. He's connected us back to the source. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. Love was the motivation. The gifts of the Spirit are more relational than they are transactional. The gifts of the Spirit are more relational than they are transactional. There's a story in the book of Acts of this guy, Simon. He was a sorcerer. He did sorcery. Simon the sorcerer. Sounds like a superhero or, or kind of that guy you're not supposed to choose in the video game. Otherwise, like, you'll get demonized or something. This is like 90s theology. But he, he was, he got baptized. He got born again. He was following Philip. And he saw the signs and the wonders that were done through the life of Philip. And at one point he saw, well, we'll go there. Acts chapter 8, verse 18. He saw this. It says, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Crazy. Crazy, right? He thought he could like, okay, I'll get some work into miracles, maybe some prophecy, get some tongues, probably get the interpretation of tongues, otherwise that won't be understandable. And then, you know, like, let's just tap that debit card. Let's do that transaction. You know, it, it sounds crazy, but he was offering them money for the Holy Spirit. It's crazy. But, you know, we're not always that far off from that same mentality if we don't identify God as a loving father. You know, we sometimes say even things like, and I, I love this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all in with this. But we say, God, use me, right? I want to be used by God. It's a, it's a beautiful cry. It is when done under the right heart. But there can also be another side of that that we need to be aware of. Because to be used by someone isn't always the best thing. If you felt used by someone, if you found out that someone you thought loved you was ultimately just using you to get to their ultimate goal, does that sound like a healthy relationship? You know, sometimes we look to God in that way. We're like, God, it's none of me, all of you, God. Just use me, flow through me to get to your ultimate goal. But God doesn't want to just use you. There's a more excellent way. And it's to know and identify him as Father God, a perfect loving father. That's the better way. And then from that relationship, we serve and we love and we obey his commandments and we're used by him in a healthy context. Practice the way of love with what you know. Practice the way of love with what you know. Years ago, I was was in my room praying. And I was praying something like, God, I want to see your glory. I want to encounter your glory. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'll have a glory cloud experience or something happened in my room. And some lightning and thunder and some angelic hosts. No big deal. <laughs> but, you know, I, I believe God for supernatural. I, I've experienced God in supernatural ways. And I want to encounter more. And I wanted to experience his glory in a tangible way. And I was praying, God, let me encounter your glory. In a sense of my spirit, God said, go buy your wife flowers. 
A little anticlimactic, God. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm praying with heart. But I sense God say, go buy your wife flowers. And so I did that. You know, it's never a bad time to buy your, buy your wife flowers, ever. It's never a bad time. <laughs> I know, right? You can go home. Your marriage is saved. <laughs> but, but I thought about it afterwards. And really what I was doing was manifesting the goodness of God. Because the glory of God can be defined like this, a manifestation of the goodness of God. I was pursuing the way of love and manifesting the goodness of God by buying her flowers. Start with what you know. Start with what you can do. If it's done in love, you can't lose. You know, even if you're believing for something like prophecy, you want to see God move through you in a powerful way with prophecy. Start by encouraging people with what you see. If you see someone play guitar and they're doing an amazing job, you haven't heard them before, tell them how amazing they are. Get specific. Use distinction. Practice the way of love by being encouragement and all the while hold intention this, this eager desire to want to see the gift of prophecy in your life. But practice the way of love. If, if we have a, a hard time being encouraging with things we see in the natural, I don't, I don't know that we're always in the best position to, to steward things like the gift of discernment. You know, because sometimes what happens is we're too busy seeing Jezebels when God is wanting to point out the Esthers in the room because God loves believes all things. It hopes all things. It sees the best in people. It has a different perspective. So I want to end with this. I want to read Paul's description of what love looks like. And as I read it, just open your heart to say, God, help me to love and embody this. It says this, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. And our wedding slogan, love never fails. Love won't fail you. You can't lose when we pursue the way of love. We can't lose. Can we all just stand up right now? I think what I want to do right now, I want to go back to what I spoke earlier about this idea of having confidence, coming to Father God as his children, as family. Because I, I, I have a sense that, that that resonated in people with people in this room. That something shifted in you when it, when it came to your perspective of who God is for you and who, just who he is. So I, I sense that faith has expanded in the room. Faith in a loving father. And faith knowing that we are, we are his children. And we can ask him. See, when we have a, a loving relationship with God and know him as father, even sometimes things like the timing of God or the, the will of God, the, the, the questions surrounding those topics sometimes start to dissipate. 
and we just know God is a loving Father. Of course, God, you're good. I know you. This is who you are. So if you guys just want to close your eyes and just see yourself as a child, a daughter, a son, a family member, and God is your Father. He's a perfect, loving Father. You can ask anything. Anything you ask according to His will, He hears us and gives us those things. I know there, there's certain things at times that need to be worked out of us, and God sometimes works them out, and it takes time. And, but that, that's not what I'm trying to get you to understand right now is why, God, why this? I, I want you to just be simple in your approach to God. He said, come to me like children. This is how you, this is how you connect with the kingdom. Come to me like children. Don't figure it all out right now. Come to your father like a child. Let's just start to ask. Let's ask in this room for an outpour of the Holy Spirit. Let's ask in this room for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Or if you have a specific need in your life, ask Father God to meet that need, to help you in time of need. He said, come boldly to his throne that you would receive help in time of need. So pray, let's pray. Just lift up your voices. Father, we thank you that you are a good, good Father, that you are perfect in your love, and we are your family, God. We are your children, God, and we know there's more. There's more on the other side. We've experienced some, God, but we want that fullness that you talked about, the fullness of your Holy Spirit. God, we want more, so we ask. We ask like your mom asked you, Jesus. We say we want wine. We want your spirit. We want it and we need it. We need healing. We need working of miracles, God. We ask for an outpour of your spirit, God. Thanks for listening to the Church Untitled podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest messages. For more about what's happening in our community, follow us on social media or visit us at churchuntitled.com.